Jacob looked up and saw there was Esau coming with his 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and the two female servants. He put the female servants and their children in front, Leah and her children next, and Rachel and Joseph in the rear. He himself went on ahead and bowed down to the ground seven times as he approached his brother. But Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him. He threw his arms around his neck and kissed him, and they wept. Then Esau looked up and saw the women and children. Who are these with you, he asked. Jacob answered, they are the children God has graciously given your servant. Then the female servants and their children approached and bowed down. Next, Leah and her children and bowed down. Last of all came Joseph and Rachel, and they too bowed down. Esau asked, What's the meaning of all these flocks and herds I met? To find favor, favor in your eyes, my, my lord, he said. But Esau said, I already have plenty, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. No, please, said Jacob. If I have found favor in your eyes, accept this gift from me. For to see your face is like seeing the face of God, now that you have, reached, now that you have received me favorably. Please accept this present that was brought to you, for God has been gracious to me, and I have all I need. And because Jacob insisted, Esau accepted it. Then Esau said, let us be on our way. I will accompany you. But Jacob said to him, my Lord knows that the children are tender, and I must care for the ewes and the cows that are nursing their young. If they are driven hard just one day, all the animals will die. So let my Lord go on ahead with his servant while I move along slowly at the pace of the flocks and herds before me and the pace of the children until I come to my Lord in Seir. Well, I would venture to say this morning that perhaps everyone sitting in this congregation has had a quarrel with someone, someone that they loved and they had a desire to reconnect with them over this period of time. And in fact, they may still be separated from that individual that they fought with. Millions of dollars in record sales are attributed to that feeling that we have around the desire to be reconnected with that lost love. From Dolly Parton's I Will Always Love You to Bill Withers' Ain't No sun Sunshine When She's Gone, the human heart longs for reunion and for reconciliation. And so let's say that there is a chance to be reunited with a lost one in the future. Many times that possible reunion can self-destruct because certain steps were not taken to ensure that it's done right. In our text here in Genesis, as we continue this journey through the Old Testament, we see that Jacob has been away from his brother Esau for a long time. And the last time that he saw Esau, the last time that he looked in his eyes, the only thing that he saw was murder. And so God has given Jacob wisdom how to approach him. And we see in our text today four steps that Jacob took in order to help with that reuniting process. And as we look at these, I want to see if maybe perhaps they apply to your life. Maybe there's somebody that you would like to reunite with. 
And there are some of these steps that can be applied to your situation to help that that is a successful time of reconciliation. And so first of all, we see in our text here that sometimes things look grimmer than they really are. Look at the previous chapter with me in verses 6 and 7. It says, And the messenger returned to Jacob, saying, We came to your brother Esau, and he is coming to meet you, and there are 400 men with him. Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. And so from Jacob's viewpoint here, things look pretty grim, pretty dark. But maybe there's a possibility that there was a miscommunication that's occurred. Maybe Esau thinks his brother is coming to reclaim that birthright by force. And so perhaps he has heard rumors that things didn't go so well with Laban. In fact, they had to set up a pillar between the two of them in order that they didn't cross over into each other's land because he had basically robbed Laban of a lot of his riches. The Lord had brought that riches into Jacob's uh, fold there. And perhaps he remembered how his brother had cheated him a long time ago. Esau doesn't realize that Jacob's name has been changed, so he's no longer the cheater and the liar. Maybe Esau's bringing his 400 buddies for his own protection, I doubt it, but maybe. When a lot of time passes between two people that have had a fight, there's a lot of things that can change. That person that you had that fight with may have matured to the point where they no longer hold a grudge against you. And maybe that issue that seemed important so long ago is not as important to them anymore. Maybe they've even forgotten what the fight was all about in the first place. There's also a very good chance that you as an individual have matured that you've grown, that you're a different person now than you were those years ago. And maybe some of you have mellowed here, like Jacob, due to life circumstances and things that have happened to him. He's changed a lot. But the problem is that we already have it fixed in our minds how that encounter is going to go with that lost loved one. And so we begin to rehearse arguments, what we're going to say, how we're going to defend ourselves, what we want in the situation. We allow the pain to be rekindled and the infection to fester in our hearts. We cannot forget how they wanted to hurt us, or in the case of Jacob here and Esau, kill us. This is not to say that we don't take into account that threat. That person may still have some kind of animosity against you, like they once did. But don't let that stop you if the Lord is compelling you to reconnect with that person. And that's a very important qualifier if the Lord is causing to you, you to do that. Because God may not want you to reconnect with that individual. Maybe in some relationships, it's better to leave a sleeping dog's lie. And he might be just calling on you to forgive them and to move on with your life. And this calls for serious prayer in each and every circumstance, because the circumstances are different for all of us. Remember, God knew that Jacob and Esau had had this fight, and he also kept Jacob away from Esau for two decades. It took that long for things to happen and transpire in order for there to be successful reuniting. God knows just the right amount of time for you, and that's someone that you have had that fight with the time that you need to be separated in order that there might be a change, a receptivity 
to reunion and reconciliation. But always remember that God is a God of reconciliation. God loves reunion. He reconciled with us. We were at animosity with him, and he reached out for us. He always leaves the 99 to go after the one. The second thing we see here in our text today is that sending a gift ahead of you may soften the way. I don't think there's anybody that I've met that doesn't like to receive a gift. And maybe you think you're the kind of person who doesn't really like to get gifts. And so I would encourage you to think in your mind. Think about your birthday. Think about Christmas. Think about seeing that UPS truck drive up to your house and how your heart kind of starts beating. Maybe somebody got me something. Maybe that package is for me. And it's not necessarily the thing that you're excited about. You're excited about the fact that somebody remembered you. Somebody remembered your special day. You're hoping that man in brown brings you a gift that shows that people are thinking of you. There are two interesting passages that speak about this phenomenon of gifts. The first is Proverbs 18.16, which says, A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before the great. Another scripture that's a little more apropos to this situation between Jacob and Esau is Proverbs 21.14, which states, A gift in secret averts anger, and a concealed bribe strong wrath. Jacob has learned this lesson. He sends ahead of him a very lavish gift, because he realizes that his life is worth more than his stuff. And many of us have not learned this lesson. We cling to our stuff and we shun relationships. In the case of Jacob and Esau, it could be argued that Jacob should be the one receiving a gift. He's been the one that's been forced away from his inheritance, from his land. He is the one who had to start all over again. But it seems to me that Jacob has come to the realization that his scheming and trickery have caused harm to the relationship. And he's willing to use the material goods that God has blessed him with in order to reach out to his brother. Is there someone that you've been distant with for quite a while? Perhaps a first step might be to send them an unexpected gift. Maybe it's their birthday and you send them a gift card to a restaurant or a store. And by the way, don't send them a Christian book you think they should read as a gift, right? The gift should say that you know what they like, you know what they want. And I've used this tactic to patch up broken relationships, and I can attest that it works. It does soften the way. The lines of communication become more clear when that person knew that I was willing to spend my money on them. In the case of Jacob, this lavish gift probably saved his life. The third thing we see here in our text today is be contrite before God and the one that you love. This is speaking about the attitude with which you approach the situation. Because this is very important in the reconciliation process. If you come in expecting that that person owes you, whether it's an apology or some kind of reparations, it's probably not going to go very well. Notice here Jacob's attitude first before God and then before his brother. 
In Genesis 32.10, his conversation with God is recorded here. He says, I am not worthy of the least of all the deeds of steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you have shown to your servant. For with only my staff I crossed this Jordan, and now I have become two camps. Please deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau. For I fear him that he may come and attack me, the mothers with the children. But you said, I will surely do good and make your offspring as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. First, he declares to God that he's not deserving of anything. God, I'm not deserving of this, but I'm still asking. And the key is to not approach God with a sense of entitlement. Well, you owe me this. Next, he specifically asks God what he wants. He's asking God to spare his life. He wants deliverance from death. And finally, he reminds God of the promise that he made to him. You told me that my offspring would be like the sands of the sea. You told me that you would give me this great inheritance. But notice here that God does not, or that Jacob does not stop uh, by humbling himself only before God. He continues on and humbles himself before his brother. Look at verse 3. Jacob went on before them, bowing himself to the ground seven times until he came to his brother. The number seven in the Bible is the number of completeness. And so what happens here is that Jacob completely humbles himself before his brother. He's coming humble, contrite. Now, we don't go bowing before one another today, right? But what we can do is we can bow our ego before the other person. We can allow them to be the first one to get this stuff off their chest. Not correcting them every time they embellish the situation or make it seem better for themselves. We just let them say what they need to say. And remember, the goal is to win your brother or your sister, not win the argument. That's the key. Mary and I took a marriage class some years ago, and one of the sayings that comes back to me time and time again is that Your spouse is not your enemy. That person that you're having this trouble with is not the enemy. The enemy is the devil. And he's the one who wants to stir up hatred in our hearts because he knows that if we can have hatred in our hearts stored there, we actually cannot love God in a right way. 1 John 4.20 states this clearly. It says, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. If you have hatred in your heart and anger in your heart toward your brother, that's actually blocking your relationship with the Lord. And so you need to get that right, even if it's just personally within you. And finally, we see here that We need to realize that distance is sometimes a good thing. Some people assume that once they have this reconciliation and this meeting happens and it goes well, that suddenly everything's going to be all buddy-buddy. We're going to be one big happy family again. But Jacob here, he takes the opposite approach. Once they're reunited, Esau's encouraging Jacob, come, be part of my camp, let's have this family reunion here. 
But Jacob tells Esau that he should just go on. You know, the cattle and the children, they can't keep up. We'll catch up to you later. But what he really wants to do is he wants to keep separation between he and his brother. I think about Abraham and Lot, how they went their separate ways and they stayed apart from one another. And I think what's happening here is that Jacob still doesn't trust his brother. Maybe he's remembering that conflict that he had with Laban. They were too close together. They needed to separate so that things could grow and flourish. And perhaps you were abused in a situation. And you think that maybe you can reconcile with the one who hurts you. Maybe you desire to spend some time with them, or they desire to spend some time with you. But that might not be possible. That might not be safe and practical for you. And so you can forgive yourself and say, you know, I'm just going to kind of go my way. I forgive you. I'm, I'm glad the relationship is patched up, but I need this fence. <laughs> I need this boundary. And there's an old saying, good fences make great neighbors. And so you might need a pretty strong fence. In fact, you might need a fortified wall to keep yourself safe and to have boundaries. Just because we're Christians, just because we reconcile with one another, just because we desire for reunification doesn't necessarily mean that we need to open up all the borders. We may need to protect ourselves and protect our families. My brother Brett was part of our family. He was having struggles, though, and he kept coming to our house drunk, trying to fix my car. He broke it, abusing the, you know, verbally the kids, whatever it might have been, just acting wild and weird and kind of violent. And so finally I said, Brett, you're not welcomed in our house anymore until you get a hold of this drinking. I didn't see him for two years. And then one day he came in my barber shop and, hey, you know, like everything was fine again, right? And he had gotten a hold of his drinking problem for the time being. Sometimes you need those boundaries. Sometimes you need that to protect the loved ones that you have. And this was the case for Jacob here. He was protecting what was his, that God had blessed him with. From his brother, who, by the way, we know from Scripture, ended up being a ding-dong anyways, right? He was a violent man. He had all kinds of problems. He was warring with the people around him. And so Jacob set up this clear delineation for his protection and safety. Wrapping up here, have those old breakup songs been on your top ten list for 2022? Has someone come to mind during this sermon who you think God is prompting you to reach out to and reconcile with? I would encourage you not to just, right after this sermon, call them up. <laughs> Dive right in. And a pastor said, you know, no, work through this. Think about things that you might need to do. You know, send a gift. <laughs> Humble yourself before the person. Recognize after the conversations that's happened, what kind of boundaries you're going to need in place. In other words, take a cue from Jacob here by following these steps that he made. And I think it's going to go much better for you that way because the Bible is here to give us wisdom and understanding. And Father God, I pray for each and every individual here today. Lord, I know there are some here among us who have had someone come to mind they're thinking of the name right now in their minds, wondering if it's even possible. And so, Lord, I pray that you would give them wisdom and understanding that they can take proper steps. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this sermon series from Elam. 
If you are encouraged today, would you consider supporting our online ministry through a financial contribution? Personal checks can be made out to Elam Lutheran Church and sent to 11504 26th Street, Northeast, Lake Stevens, Washington, 98258. Or you can give online at elamlutheran.net. Thank you and may God bless you the rest of your day.